Please gather for the latest announcements. Hi, I'm the demigod of the fertile lands. And I'm the demigod of the great water. And I'm the demigod of the living sun. And welcome to Organized Fun, the board game podcast, where this week we've got another promo side, and we are promoing Oros by Ash Games. So, hi Brant. So just start off by telling us a bit about Ash Games. How how long have you been going? When did you found, etc, etc? Marvelous, yeah. So Ash Games really was formed as a business entity simply to be able to launch and, and to publish Oros, which is the first title for Ash Games. So um, it's really, it's, it's been born out of necessity of being able to publish this game that uh, I've created. But there's bigger ambitions behind that too, to be able to actually start uh, a bit of a game design studio and, um, you know, continue making more more and more titles. That's cool. Do you ha- do you already have like some ideas for what the next game projects are going to be? Or Yeah, I actually have another game that's started. I've got all these notes and all these things all prepared. And then I, I keep uh, slapping my own uh, hand to stop working on it because they got to finish this. <laughs> I want, you know, Forrest needs to get finished. Uh, I think that's the one of the banes of uh, being a creator. I right? just tend to see a new shiny object and you're immediately like, oh, I want to go work on it. So I'm really excited about this other game. I really want to start uh, getting into the, the deeper side of development for the game, but uh, I've just completely put it on hold, just completely put it on ice just so I can finish Oros, get it all polished up, get it fully published, get it out into the world uh, and make people, make people happy before I start you know my attention turn my attention to something new <laughs> although that's it's almost done right because it's launching on kickstarter next week isn't it oh absolutely so and, and I mean, we just played through the game um it's it's a very fluid and mechanically sound game as it is uh but when it comes to the publishing side of things um the design itself is not the end of the road there's a, a lot of tasks that happen after a game design um and after even like the game development um that uh has to happen right and so a lot of my attention recently has been in building the Kickstarter campaign itself, which is, I mean, that is uh, that is a marathon of work in and of itself. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> uh, I'd always heard things, but uh, now I've actually felt, yeah, what it, what it takes to build a Kickstarter. So it's just been consuming a lot of my time. So um, as publishing and all of that side kind of like levels out and gets, gets you know, can check more things off my checklist, uh, definitely my time will open up a whole lot more to be able to focus on other things. So what sort of got you into gaming in the first place? Um, well, I've always been a gamer, a board gamer. I'm really much of a video gamer, but uh, I've played board games for decades. Um, I you know, probably got started with Settlers of Catan way, you know, decades ago um, and kind of got hooked then. So I've been playing board games for a really long time. I had never actually thought about designing a board game, even though I, I work in the design space. I, uh, professionally, I'm a graphic designer and a creative director, and I do a lot of uh, user experience work and uh, user experience strategy and things like that. And so it was kind of a natural fit, but I had never really thought about designing a game until I had moved. I I'd lived in Chicago for a decade and I had moved um, uh, to Utah and I actually ended up living across the street from uh, a game designer, uh, a guy who's just really passionate about game design. And I happened to be passionate about playing games. And so we'd start playing games together and I'd play some of his the things he was working on and really quickly realized, wait a second, the skill set that I've been building up for 15 plus years uh, as a creative actually translates uh, just perfectly into this hobby that I've always loved but never even thought about you know, entertaining the idea of jumping into. And so that kind of is what spurred Spark uh, that, that I got this game going was uh, my collaboration with, with my neighbor across the street. That's a, that's a decent origin story. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so you said you were a graphic designer. So did you do the design? Like, did you do all the artwork for this? Yeah, everything that you see for the game, all the game design, all the illustration, all the rule book writing and ed- um, editing, and everything for the campaign as well, all the renderings, the photography, um, all of that stuff, uh, I've done myself. That's brilliant, and it's it's a good looking game. The following information will change your life. Okay, so let's talk about the game itself. If we were to ask you for the the advertising pitch, if you like, go on, sell sell Oros to us. Yeah, so Oros is a uh, I'd say a mid heavyweight strategy board game it has uh, with Euro roots, but it takes a very unconventional and a unique approach to many of the many mechanics that are fairly familiar, especially once you start to become familiar with them as you play the game. You'll say, What's that? you know, this is worker placement. I understand worker placement, but it's worker placement with a twist. And you know, there's tiles. I'm used to tiles, but these are tile shifting, tile tile colliding, not tile placement, right? So there's familiar concepts, but they're being used in very unique ways. Um, and so it creates a very unique um, and a, a game experience in terms of board games uh, that many people are very unfamiliar. You know, they've never played a game quite like it. Um, I'm going to get into the theme side of things. I, I mean, oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, theme, yeah. It's really there's like two sides <laughs> of the game, right? There's the theme and the mechanics, and they're kind of interwoven, but I don't know how deep you want me to get. Go for it. As, as deep as you want. <laughs> Well, thematically, uh, there's a lot of uh, hints to anthropology and uh, kind of the, the, the uh, genesis of uh, human uh, cultural development. And so there's a lot of uh, thoughts behind it uh, that tie into like ancient religion and ancient culture um, and, and finds these universal threads that that, uh, that correlate that you find across the world, really. And what it is is that this game is about mountains. The name Oros is mountain in Greek. Um, the whole thing is centers on mountains. And on one side of it, we have uh, this immeasurable power to be able to crash the land together and form uh, mountains, you know, have them rise up from the ocean and erupt volcanoes and things like that. So we're forming those mountains. But on the flip side, we're also people who are, uh, you know, obsessed with mountains, just like anciently. Uh, we, we associate enlightenment or gnosis or higher knowledge or transcendence with mountains. Um, and so in the game, our little people are also gravitating toward these mountains that we're forming in order to build these sacred sites and sacred monuments where they can study and gain wisdom and knowledge and that's the point system of the game is whoever has the most knowledge at the end of the game is the one who's going to win the game and so um, it's this kind of this parallel between uh, plate tectonics and, and geologic based mechanics and then this cultural aspect that's that's happening up on top of, of the land uh, it's all about developing our, our culture and our civilization and that marriage of course that crux that's right in the middle of all of it is mountains that is cool and so were you always like interested in the anthropological elements like naturally before beforehand or did you sort of stumble into it when coming up with the theme for the game you know it, it is something that i've always been really interested in i've done a lot of studying and reading of all sorts of things also the ancient works and ancient religious texts and things like that i've just kind of nerded out over those things for a really long time um, geology is never something that i was like ultra passionate about but uh charles that my neighbor was something he knew a lot about and so when we first started this he actually had the idea of like just like the idea of tectonic things shifting right tiles shifting and um that then uh it sparked all these things in my brain. I was like, holy cow, like this could be a really big game. He said, okay, well, go make it into a game. Go see if, what you can do with this. And so then I, you know, layered in a whole lot more of the geology, a lot of research into the like, different geologic phenomena that are happening. And, and, and a lot of things geologically um, are actually pretty accurate. Like the idea of hotspots that are underneath the ocean floor that are venting new land. That, you know, that's that's how Hawaii you know, is an <laughs> active hotspot, right? Like that's a real thing. Or volcanoes that crash together and, and rise up and then also erupt. Um, and then also the, the colliding of land to create mountains. 
mountains, which is the process of orogenesis, which, um, like, all of those things are kind of parallel together. Um, so <clears throat> it's definitely something that I became really passionate about learning because I love finding how the, the game mechanics and, and the reality, like their corollary in the in the real world, that they were as close as possible, or at least they, there was a reflection, right? And so um, I think when you do things like that in a game, it makes the game richer. First off, because it's going to introduce concepts that you probably weren't thinking about doing it that way at first. Um, but then it also, uh, it just, it, it, it makes it feel, I think, more comfortable for people as they're playing it because they, they recognize that there are, there's reasons why things are happening and it's not just arbitrary like design decisions. Yeah, I mean, it, it works on two levels. I mean, on, on the one hand, it's an entertaining, just fun game to play. But also if you are into your ecology and your um, anthropological, like spiritualism sort of stuff, you'll recognize elements and be like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's actually based in fact or that's actually a real thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's at least a tie, right? It's not like, uh, it's not like it's a direct thing, but yeah, that's that's the hope is that anywhere in, in the world that someone playing the game can say, oh, I recognize this, you know, from yeah. the story that my, my grandfather told me or something like that, right? Like, I, I recognize that there's there's a tie here to my culture um, because really these are global themes. These aren't like specific to an individual culture and an individual time. These are things that have been around and that cross, that cross peoples, right? And I really love that side of things that it can be more of a global connector um, rather than just focus on like Greek mythology or, you know, something that's just like really specific. Yeah. So you've got the, so you had the uh, the idea for the game. How was the development process from this idea and this design you have to, to developing that to, to what you've got now? Yeah, it was, uh, it was long and drawn out. <laughs> I've been working on the game for maybe four or five years. Right. Um, and at first the game was very simple. It was just this map that's in the center and there's tiles and they're just moving around. <clears throat> and then, uh, and that's, you know, that's, so that's like the origin of it. But then I saw that move map moving. It's like, wait a second, things are colliding. If there are if volcanoes erupting, if there are earthquakes, what if, you know, what if, what if there are mountains forming? What if there's all this stuff? And then from there started layering like in like, uh, you know, why do I, you know, asking the question, why do I have this power? Like, why can I do this? And um, that kind of started to explore the, the concept of demigods or, or gods that actually have the power to do this. And then, then naturally says, okay, well, you know, who else is involved, right? Oh, well, there's people, there's people on the earth. And naturally there's people on the earth. So what are they doing, right? And so it was definitely this natural evolution, but it took a very long time, a lot of playtesting, a lot of experimentation, um, and a whole lot of revisions. Uh, the game itself actually originally was a map and cards. It was all like a card, like a card uh, deck building type of uh, game and it was about a uh, year and a half ago where the concept of player boards came into play which actually uh, solved a whole lot of problems that I had had as I was developing it right like walls that I kept just like slamming into that I couldn't get past and couldn't solve in a way that I felt that was elegant enough um, and then with the player mat system um, it kind of solved a lot of the issues that I had as I was developing it but also added this whole depth to the game that uh, is it is almost like two or three more layers all of a sudden came into the game and it became really, really rich and, uh, and very cognitive. It's a very thinky game, right? There's there's a lot to process and to think through, but also the mechanic, the, the mechanical balances of all the different parts, uh, they tug and pull on each other in a way that's just really satisfying to play. But it definitely took uh, it took a long time uh, to get to that point. No, it's cool. And, and you're right. I mean, obviously, obviously you're right because you made it, but it is a very thinky game because like I, on my turns, I kept having to, like 
like, right, let's let's check the island. What can I move and what can I do? But also my player board. What skills do I personally have? What do I need to be doing? Uh, and that's why I lost. <laughs> because they all have an effect, don't they? And those all they're all linked up. What you yeah, yeah. what you do there then affects your next go possibly. Yeah. Yeah. New rules are effective immediately. Mark, what was your favourite part of the game? Uh, well, I love this idea of the tiles colliding and just the the way that that the board there sort of the evolving nature of that of that board. Uh, I really like that idea. Uh, and yeah, so so when you're you're moving these tiles, there's there's sort of different options you can do, and the way that it's sort of this this world, this globe uh, that you you're building these these sites on. I, I really like that element of the game. Cool. I would say I've got two I've got two favourite bits. Um, um, so obviously, you know, one of the main mechanics is this idea of worker placement, but it's not like some of your other typical worker placement games where we all have a shared um, selection of things to put our workers on. Because if you get screwed out of what you wanted to do, you can blame someone else. But this game, you are only putting your workers into your own personal action boxes. So as I frequently did, if you stuff yourself out of the action that you planned to do, you can only blame yourself. It's your fault. So you have to plan it. Like... You have to really think ahead <laughs> Yeah, your <laughs> strategy. There were so many times, and you fell foul oh, of this as well. Time, yeah. But like, you wanted to do a certain action, but you hadn't left the space open in your last turn, so you had to rethink it. And you know, I liked that tactical element. Ah, I'd love to collide some stuff, but my action is taken. I'm now next to some fours, but I can't collide them together because my action's covered up. Need more move power. Man, I'm in a pickle. I'm on a bind here. Maybe I should build it one way. You can't. I can't. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is um, catching me out. I should have sent them up to study and I can't do that. What options did I leave myself with last time? <laughs> I can't build because I didn't move the building thing, did I? Can't do the move. Can't journey over there and my other favorite part so there's the five sort of main actions and then obviously the build actions but each one comes with a slider that you can get upgrades by boosting that skill so even though all of us started at the same base level as we moved our our sliders our power caps um up you know to our own personal taste we all ended up with three radically different players with radically different skills and i think on that note the sort of replayability factor is is upped considerably because each time you play you can experiment with upgrading different skills and get different mm. powers for how you play i'll invest in a shrine yeah i'm gonna upgrade my shrineage and i am definitely amping up my journey but but so i can move across water right i'm going to just start getting some points from my thingy-bobs my building my buildings gonna do my monoliths. I build a ton of monoliths, so. So Brant, as the designer, what's what's your personal sort of favorite bit of it? Yeah, so and this probably is pretty much more high level just because I'm thinking about the uh, <laughs> the mechanics of it. I think two things. First off is is the uh, the the way that the play areas connect to each other, that the, the way that everything is interwoven and you can't you can't just like get rid of an action space. So you can't just get rid of the ziggurat or you can't you know get rid of like one of those things because uh, your player board, what's happening there the map, what's happening there, and all the puzzles that are out there on the board, as well as your player map, and then also what's happening on the ziggurat, they're so woven together, and they, they tug and they pull on each other. There's always uh, one one uh, thing that might advantage you in one respect could disadvantage you in the other respect, and there's this constant tug and pull uh, where you're making decisions the whole 
full time through the game. Um, and then also when uh, you know people are affecting the that center uh, map area, which is this shared environment, and uh, people can do things that become really inconvenient for you. But really, it's not the end of your game because all it does is it just means that you have a different opportunity now, and there's never a lack of opportunity. There's always something that you can do in the game, and so I, I really love that aspect of it. I just feel like mechanically, it just feels really tight, um, and, and uh, there's not like a, a part of it you're like, ah, oh, you could just cut that off, or or a part <laughs> yeah. that's like, I really wish this was here. Um, all of it feels really like uh, really balanced. And the other thing that I, I oh, go ahead. Oh no, God, I was just going to say, you know, that happened numerous times. That where I ended on my turn was not where I found myself at the beginning of my next turn because you guys had shifted the map and done so, and just changed. So you're constantly having to reevaluate what your tactic and what your plan is going to be. Yeah, exactly. It's a, you're, you're puzzling uh, yeah, through things just constantly. You can't just like make a plan up front in your first two or three turns and then you take the rest of the game to carry it out, which is how many strategy games actually are, right? Like you make a few tactical, uh, you set yourself up tactically within the first three or four turns and then really it's just like playing it out to see who did it best. Yeah. In this game, things are changing so often and the, and the whole the whole game is almost it's like, like it's alive, right? It's like this living organism. And because of that, um, you can plan. You absolutely have to anticipate what you know the state of map of, will be on your next turn. And there are things you can do to make sure that you're in the right position so your plans don't get foiled. But you can't do it so far in advance that you know how the game's going to end, right? You can only foresee kind of the next round-ish. Yeah. And so you're just planning like little bits at a time, like how do I advance on my next turn? How do I advance on the next turn, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's very satisfying that you're just constantly thinking through things and you never, it never start, it never gets really stale because there's always a new puzzle uh, for you to start your you know, brain to engage with a bit. I'm going to use my move move three in a direction. And I'm going to, cool. so this top row here, yep. I'm going to send them round the corner to smash right. into that one, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send one to study. I'll send this guy way up here. So I'm going to be my first action. Made me spend an extra action just to make this happen. All right, so I'm going to shift and I'll grab this middle row. Shift it up one space. I'm going to journey my dude over... So I can only move one space right now, so I can step onto the mountain, yeah? Um, so then I'm going to build my... So you've already done the monolith, so mine is the shrine, yeah? Then I'm going to return followers from study. I'm going to pull both of these out. Then I'm going to be a little cruel, <laughs> just because I want it. It's all for myself. <laughs> so I'm going to shift the throw, and we're going to go up Aww. two spaces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to build myself a monolith. Erupt that little two volcano. Could just be cruel. I build my little temple. Ruin all my, my diabolical plans here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to shift it right back so you don't have an easy land bridge to walk to. Where am I? Where have I been moved to? Cool. Anyway, I, I cut you off. You were going to say a second a second favorite bit. And then, uh, there's something uh, uh, something else that I absolutely love about the game. It's something you guys didn't really get to see because we didn't play with the Automa. But the Automa system um, just really gets me excited every time i start talking about it i, I just start spouting off things and everybody's eyes glaze over i don't know because go on tell us uh, tell us about excited it excited about it but um the automa the way that the automa works with the game is uh each of the demigods there's four four different uh, characters each of the player has to flip over and they all have their own individual deck and all of those decks
decks are stacked differently with different actions and abilities, and they have different play styles, different uh, different levels of difficulty. And so, um, and that, and the way the automate works is you can add them to any game. So use two when you're playing solo, um, but when you're playing a two-player game, you also add an automate in. And even if you're playing a three-player game, you can still add the automate in. And so it just adds this another again. When we're talking about replayability, it adds this another factor that can come into the game, and they behave and they operate like people with personalities. And, and you have to learn how to counteract the things that they're going to be doing um, while you're playing the game. So even like that whole side of things, even though there's you know not everybody are solo players or um, are, are, are used to playing with Automa, the whole system of the Automa, uh, I, I think it's just really smooth and it's really exciting. It, it gets me excited every time I start talking about it. So <laughs> that's the other thing I'd point out. Did you, obviously said, so they, they've got different play styles. Did you base them on like anyone, you know, all right, this one's going to be a really aggressive player. This one's going to be a defensive player. Like how did you, how did you yeah. create that balance, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the Raging Fire is extremely aggressive. Actually, if I flip the board over, it says aggressive on it. All right. Um, he's, he's really aggressive. He actually attacks your, your followers. So you can remove them from the map. Oh. So he's, it, uh, it completely changes your strategy when you're playing the game against fire. He, he's kind of like the insanity mode. He's extremely difficult to play <laughs> against. Um, but then there's uh, the Demigod of the Great Waters. Um, her her whole system is extremely friendly. Um, she's more of like an enabler, right? She just enables the game to play. So if you're more like, I don't want to have like a stressed out game experience, I can play a two-player game, add Great Waters in, and she'll just enable the game, make sure that it's working and flowing. Um, and and <laughs> you, you want the map changing a lot because um, that's where really a lot of the opportunities are happening. If the map is, is static, um, it, 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 the game also becomes static. And so the, the, the Ottomans are there to really just like continue to facilitate all the opportunities for the game. And then land, uh, is is com- listed as competitive. Uh, he focuses really heavily on building, and so if you're like set up a mountain, he's going to build on it. And so you have to be really careful about how you're playing the game and when you're forming mountains. You don't want to form too many if they can't advantage you because they're going to advantage the automa. And so mm-hmm. again, it's just like uh, another way of playing the game um, where you have to kind of counteract what he's doing. And then Sun is a little bit of a balance of all of the other three. So she she does a few little aggressive things, but she's not. It's it's only like two different like. Uh, attack type moves um, she builds pretty regularly but she also is pretty um, balanced with uh, the way she studies like uh, like water does and so she's she's kind of like this very zen kind of balanced she just does, she has her fingers in a little bit of everything and she does everything in a very balanced way and there you have it so Amazing. yeah they all have their kind of their own little personality and their own little quirks That's and cool. as you play them you kind of have to figure out how do how do I play against that one right like how do I win that one yeah um, because you use different tactics to make that happen it's almost like they could be uh, thinking thinking with my video game hat on but like different level bosses that you have to defeat (laughs) absolutely yeah they kind of are like level bosses absolutely yeah yeah that's cool so what was it right so this was minor mark's first time playing this but you've probably played it billions and billions of times what is your go-to strategy i know we were talking about you can't predict you know but you must have an inkling of like which powers to upgrade first or which powers are the the better ones to go for give us give us some spoilers The way that the actions balance and the way that the player map balances where you can you know, your tech tree of decisions, um, there's a lot of different ways to play it. So it's not just like about increasing what, like if I increase the shift column, I'll always win every time. Or if I increase the volcano column, I'll, I'll win every time. Really, they're, they're meant to balance against each other. And so usually, um, you know, you could, if, if you say, okay, I'm going to upgrade my my journeying ability, then you might say, okay, well, journeying is best when there's tiles on them. So I might upgrade my, my volcano ability too, right? 
I might like, use those in, in tandem because volcanoes means more tiles. A heavy journey means that I can walk across the tiles, right? So now I can use those yeah. together um, to do something really great. But you could also uh, say, okay, well, except for uh, with the shift action, because the shift action can go so far and can move mountains, I probably don't need that high of a journey. So I can keep my journey low, but I can move to the, I can upgrade my shift to the top. But what, what will benefit me there? Probably having more followers on the map would benefit me a whole lot if I had the shift action or, or even the move land tiles action might be really great because then I can use them in parallel. And so a lot of it is uh, determining like what ability do I want or do I want to have like a broad sense of ability and play across the horizons and just like uh, try to get points from people studying, which is just a different different approach. Yeah. Or you can upgrade your sacred sites and try to get more wisdom and get like this wisdom uh, machine going where you're just like pounding out wisdom and that can actually boost you forward even though you have way fewer powers than everybody else. You can still jump really far forward because you're just getting more wisdom than everybody else. So uh, it's not like uh, if you do this, you know, every time you'll always win. Yeah. Really, it's like dialing things up and trying things out um, because they definitely work in tandem. They, they help each other out. And then a lot of it is also paying attention to what everybody else is doing too. Right? Because if, if they're doing a certain thing, you might need other powers that can help you counteract that thing to make sure that they don't run away with the game. And so there's, there's that dynamic too that, uh, that comes into play. Uh, you, you can't just keep your head down. <laughs> you have to be paying attention to what others are doing and what powers they have, which will help you anticipate the state of the map by the time it gets around to your turn and anticipate the things you're going to need to be able to make sure they can't do what they want to do. So That is cool. And what's just out of interest, what's your uh, victory record? Do you usually win or do people, like, do people beat you or what? <laughs> So I've, I'm clocked at like I don't know, 120, 130 games that wow. I've actually tracked all of the points and the scores, as, like all stats across the games. I've tried probably tracked about 130 games. Yeah. And um, I don't, I definitely don't win all the time. Um, usually when it's new players, I try to keep things at a low simmer. <laughs> I can definitely play very aggressively and play um, and you know make really smart decisions and, and kind of blow people out of the water just because I have a lot of experience. <laughs> I usually like try to lose. I, I you know I want to be on the losing end. Um, uh, when I'm playing people for the first time, just because I you know, don't want people to feel um, like, oh, this game's impossible. <laughs> the game designer, there's no way you can ever win. Um, but uh, yeah, so I definitely you know, haven't played a lot. Uh, I definitely know certain things that you can do, uh, certain tactics you can take, strategies you can take to make sure you're always taking advantage of actions. So something that happened during our game, a lot like uh, you guys ended up burning actions sometimes, right? You'd have yeah, to take yeah. an action that was just, a, was just a pass. Just to free up the so box. So you lost action. And usually the person who's going to win this game is the person who wastes the least. So if you, if you think of it, you have you have really two you have two uh, two sources of income. I guess you have actions, right? Actions have a value, and then your your wisdom that you gain has value. And it's the person who wastes the least of that, right? If you waste the fewest actions, you'll probably do the best. And if you waste the least amount of wisdom, right? If you invest the wisdom as, as lean as you possibly can to get the powers just enough that you need that you can survive, but everything else goes into points. Um, so you're wasting very little. Um, that's how you're going to that's how you're going to you know win the game. And so a lot of it is just you know paying really really close attention to the things you're doing so you waste as little as possible so so mark you you drew for top spot how how did that happen well i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't i suppose trying to i'd be adaptable because there were certain on certain turns i was like planning right i'm gonna do this and then somebody else did something else and then i couldn't or i didn't think ahead and i couldn't use the actions that i wanted to so i suppose being adaptable and just using the opportunities yeah because um, there are so many different things you can choose to do yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know I don't know why I'm saying that like I had a plan <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, Looking know, back on it now, I think that's all. <laughs> having a plan is not something we associate with Mark. <laughs> or me, in fact. <laughs> Engagement levels are being monitored. Well, I guess we're coming to the sort of final, the final plug, the final plug time. So, Brant, go for it. Just give us the final hard sell. Final hard sell. Yeah. Okay. Well, Oros is uh, up on Kickstarter July 20th. So wherever the, whenever, whenever this post is probably going to be after that date, but go it's, check uh, it out. Yeah. Two days ago. It will have launched two days ago when go. this comes out. <laughs> there we go. So, um, yeah, go check it out because uh, the, the page itself, the, the Kickstarter page itself, it does a whole lot to explain the game. You can see, you know, we talked about the artwork. We talked about the look and the feel of the game. We talked about like these unique mechanics um, and it kind of breaks apart and, and goes through all of that stuff. So you can kind of see it for yourself. Um, but uh, I mean, I've played it, like I said, a lot. I've played it a lot and I still get really excited whenever someone's like, hey, jump online. I want to play. I want to I want to try out this game. And uh, I'm not sick of it, even though I've played it that many times. So it's one of those games that I can just pick up and play again and again because it, it's, it's always just always a new, fresh challenge. It doesn't, doesn't ever play out the same way um, and it doesn't ever, doesn't ever get sick, stale. So it's one of those things I get excited about. And so I, I just hope that, you know, they're still the same way, you know, as they play it over and over again, that they feel like, oh yeah, like again and again, it still challenges my, my mind, challenges my brain. It's very satisfying and it's very engaging. That I mean, like, I'm already thinking, like, what would I do differently next mm-hmm. time I play? Because I'm not going to lie, I made a hash of it. Some of my choices, <laughs> some of my choices were, were dubious. So I'm already thinking like, okay, right, next time, I'm maybe not going to tweak that skill and I'm going to bump up one of the others. Maybe next time I'm just going to pay more attention to what's happening. <laughs> but, you know, I think it definitely has that, uh, you know, I, I said this earlier, but that, that replayability, you know, I'm constantly thinking, right, how can I adapt my my game plan? How can I adapt my strategy? So right. it's it's going to be well worth it if you're the kind of person that, you know, plays games like the same game a lot, you're going to get tons of mileage out of this one because there's so much to experiment with, isn't there? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Where where can people find you or Ash Games on the socials? Absolutely. So um, if you go to ashgames.com, which is A-E-S-C games.com, um, there's a whole website, has a whole bunch about Oros, but it also has all the links to all the places. Um, you can go to, you know, you can find Ash Games on Instagram, Ash Games on Facebook, Ash Games on Twitter. It's all just A-E-S-C-G-A-M-E-S on all three of those places. So yeah, come come follow, come uh, come check it out. Excellent. And, you know, it's it's going to be well worth well worth backing the, the Kickstarter because I, I want to see this in real. I want to see this exist. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you have any sneaky stretch goals planned? I do, yeah, yeah. We have stretch goals um, planned out. Um, I have, have a different concept for stretch goals. I call them growth incentives. Nice. AKA stretch goals. Um, because really the, the purpose of those are to really encourage those who are backing the game, right, to, to grow the campaign so we can make the game better and better. And so we've got some really fun, I've got fun, like, uh, fun growth incentives that are planned um, that uh, are, like, I want all of them in the game. So I really hope, like, let's let's make this game, yeah. <laughs> make this campaign great because I want them all. So, you know, selfishly, I just want them. And then uh, I also have uh, weekly reveals that are planned out, some fun surprises that uh, nobody knows what's coming. Oh. And Friday, we're going to reveal a new a new thing um, some new concepts that are going to either augment uh, what's in the box or 
have some, you know, just like fun things that are that uh, we're going to be adding in. So uh, there's going to be reveals happening too. So it's something for you to, for people to come back and to check back in on the campaign to see you know, how it's grown and how it's, uh, you know, what 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 new things um, have been added to it. Uh, again, well, I look forward to look forward to seeing well seeing the revelations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I hope people get as excited as I get excited. You never know, right? Where you're like, I'm so excited about this, and everybody's like, no, that's a wash. But <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm a school teacher, so that happens to me literally every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so much for, for coming on and for, for letting us play. Um, again, I had a really good afternoon. It yeah, was, was really uh, good. a yeah. really good game. And, uh, you know, thanks for, for teaching us plebs how to play it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for letting me come on. This has been so fun. It's cool. great to meet you guys. And, um, oh, you're on the next episode of the Board Game Community Show with Riley, aren't you? Uh, yeah. 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 So, uh, and I've been on with Riley a few times. Riley's, uh, He's a member of the same game design guild in Utah, so we actually uh, actually live fairly close to each other, even though I've never actually met him in person. But <laughs> yes, um, I, I jumped on with him uh, just the other day as well. Yeah, talking Excellent. about the game. So uh, again, it's going to be a, a double week of promo for, for Ash Games. <laughs> right, that's right. Exciting stuff. I love it, though. I love talking about it. I love sharing the game with other people and introducing people to it. So. And I think that's yeah, I love it. one of the most helpful. I mean, like if you can tell that the, the designer, that the creator is, is passionate about it then that passion like comes through and it's gonna it's gonna spread into the into the listeners and into the the desire to back it so you know awesome <laughs> awesome stuff cool cool uh right so i've been phil i've been mark and i've been brand and remember non-relinquum in i forgot that i forgot the motto non-relinquum in arca aperculo you can find us on facebook at organized fun pod you can find us on twitter at fun organized and check out uh oros by ash Game on Kickstarter it when this comes out it will have been live for two days so go and back it thanks for listening bye <laughs> this concludes the information disperse and return to work, work.